Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by M&M's Caramel. Have you tried M&M's Caramel yet? Caramel has been square for far too long, and M&M's is doing their part by giving you that familiar flavor in a package you love surrounding the smooth caramel and delicious milk chocolate. As always, M&M's knows how to bring spontaneous fun. Talk about spontaneous fun. How about just like out of nowhere, just P.S. There's a Breaking Bad movie coming in six weeks. That was pretty spontaneous, Netflix. Where'd you go? With M&M's Caramel, we can all agree that caramel is more fun than ever. Go grab some M&M's Caramel today and let your taste buds go for a ride. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Watch. I talked to Greenwald a little bit about The Mandalorian, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, a little bit about Breaking Bad, the Breaking Bad movie, El Camino that's coming, the Jesse Pinkman movie that got announced over the weekend, a bunch of other stuff. We also talked briefly about Succession. Second half of the show, as usual on Mondays, is the audio from me and Jason Concepcion's Succession after show number one boys. You can watch that on Twitter, YouTube, the usual spots. After the East Coast airing of Succession on Sundays, we'll be back with you next Sunday. This was one of my favorite Succession episodes of all time, and I had a great time talking about it with Jason and a great time talking about it with Andy. Let's get into today's watch. I need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello, and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com, and joining me on the other line, high like giraffe ass, it's Andy Greenwald! I didn't expect that one. That's a deep cut. First of all, I've been kind of sleeping on the intro lines. I like kind of make them up. I always make them up right before we do it, but I feel like I haven't been as inspired recently. And then that one, a deep cut from Re-Up Gang. We got it for cheap volume two for Andy's trailer. Briar Patch dropping today, announcing we, we already knew it's going to Toronto, but the trailer dropped today. And what do we get? Andy bought a zoo. I love it. I love that this podcast focuses on what matters most. D23 Expo, Breaking Bad trailer, nah, nah. Let's keep it in-house. Let's keep it where it matters. State-run media. I am talking, I'm talking to you from, it's very hot. I am uh, outside of a high school gymnasium, about 40 miles south of Albuquerque. And uh, yeah, we're shooting the eighth episode, baby. Day one of episode eight, but a good day because the trailer is finally out and people can see some of the show and we are all very excited. Yeah, man, it looks incredible. The cast looks incredible. My boy Alan Cumming in there. I'm sure you guys have been talking yeah. Good Wife heavy for weeks. We talk a lot about the great Christine. You know, it's mostly that. It's most that's mostly what we talk about and Broadway talk uh, when he's on set. He'll be here Wednesday. We're looking forward to him. Yeah, this is. It's just kind of crazy because you saw the pilot a couple months ago, uh-huh. and you knew that. We had real giraffes here, uh-huh. but the fact that this has just been a thing for, I mean, I started writing the script for the pilot. I wrote the script for the pilot three years ago next month, and now people are seeing some of it is trippy and surreal, yeah. but I'm, 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 I'm really excited. I'm really excited. There's clips from, I think it's really the trailer's mostly drawn from the first three episodes, but. I want to ask you a question though, because this ties into the larger conversation that we're going to have, because there were so many announcements and so many trailers, and I, we could talk a little bit about Succession in a minute, because I know you're, you're super, super jacked to do that. But, and I'm not being sarcastic, you are, but. No. How hard is it to make a trailer? How hard is it to decide, like, how much to say, what to hold back, what to tease? 
Because like, we watch them um, and we're like, you fucked it up, you did this wrong, or it's scary, or it's not. Like, we, we have all these critiques of him, but like, what's, what are some of the things you didn't know going into making a trailer that somebody was like, no offense, but you have to do this? Well, first of all, I would take very little credit here. I, the people who made the trailer are the fine people at a company called Buddha Jones, who do a lot of great trailers and do amazing work. Um, this is one of those times. Um, there are many of these times when I'm extremely grateful for uh, the podcast number one fan, Sam Esmail, because he knows how to do trailers. And he was absolutely instrumental in saying how exactly we needed to communicate the show. Because there was a trailer that was also really cool that was shown to advertisers uh, at Upfront in New York back in May. And that never came out. And I, I loved it. It was really cool. Um, but it didn't sell every piece of the show in the way we wanted to. And for me and for Sam, I think that was really about mood. It was about character. It was about showing the humor. It was about showing the fun. It was about showing some weirdness. And those are pretty abstract terms, but you know, they've done trailers for Sam before and they really understood what it was we were talking about and cut something for us that we, that we loved. And then at a certain point it was really about like, okay, there's a funny beat here. And in this case, it's when, um, Kim Dickens and Brian Garrity's character meet the mayor who's golfing, which mm-hmm. I, th- I thought is what you'd want to be talking about mostly <laughs> played by the incredible Mel Rodriguez. And, um, you know, so that there was mo- time for a funny beat there and there were other options. because Hopefully people will agree with me that there's a lot of funny stuff in the show. So it was really a question of options at that point. You know, what, what excited me about this one is that it told a lot of the story, but mostly just introduced you to the world. Okay, so I mean, I'm, what, Pete, you're going to show the first two episodes of Toronto or the first one? First two. First two. Okay, first you two. must be so excited. It's all pretty crazy, but uh, there's so much work to do until then. I was locked in my rental house here this weekend writing the finale, which is now done. So that feels surreal and crazy. And it's a finale we're going to start shooting in three weeks. So everything is very compressed now. Everything is going very fast. We finished episode seven on Friday. We started episode eight today. The episode nine director is already here. They just started prep today. They're going to be tech scouting and stuff probably later in the week. We're doing a table read of nine tomorrow. So all of a sudden, it's almost over, and it's pretty crazy. And in the middle of it, we get Rosario and I are going to Toronto, which is amazing. But we leave, I think, the day we start shooting episode nine. Uh, so that's just going to be going on while and we're there. Is Sam going to be in Toronto, or is he, is he busy hosting his podcast Binge Mode Succession? I think I think you've nailed it. I think you've got it exactly right. <laughs> no, Sam is busy hosting his his binge mode podcast, binge mode editing Mr. Robot season four. Okay, um, we have a lot to get through in a little excited. bit of time, so I want to speed dial through some of this stuff. Um, I want to yeah. let's do Breaking Bad first. We can do Star Wars second, and then we can talk a little bit of Succession. Uh, there's not a ton to go on from Breaking Bad. There was a at the end of the D23 title wave. If I'm reading the kind of chronology right, there was a hey, someone quote-unquote noticed that uh, El Camino, a Breaking Bad story, had been sort of popped up on Netflix as a coming soon, October 11th. Right. And that, you know, whether or not that was a accident on somebody who works at Netflix's part or a bit of viral marketing to say like, hey, while you're all looking over here at Mandalorian and 55 Pixar and Marvel movies and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker— Something cool is happening over here on Netflix, and it's happening in this different kind of way than this huge orchestrated rollout. Who knows? Obviously, Aaron Paul was very ready to call Dave Itzkoff at the New York Times and talk about it, not extensively, but they obviously knew that this announcement was coming. Any thoughts? I, first of all, like I think that this is a pretty predictable response, but 
I was skeptical when they announced they were going back to the Breaking Bad world with Better Call Saul, and it turns out that's one of the best shows on television. So I yeah. have nothing but high hopes for El Camino, despite the fact that I thought his character had an amazing end. I'm more than satisfied with the end of Breaking Bad. I thought it was a perfect artistic statement. If they if they have a story to tell, I'll 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 hear it. I, that's pretty much how I feel too. I think if any stewards of a IP universe have earned our trust and earned the right to revisit whatever they want. It's these guys. They what they've done with Better Call Saul and and, and you know listeners know we've gone back and forth. We were super in at the beginning and then we both sort of dipped out and then we came rushing back once we realized how great the show was, especially if you binge it uh, as a total season. Um, it's masterful and it's respectful too about both the fans and the legacy and of what how, the type of story they want to tell and how they want to tell it. So I as just a person living in the world, I don't actually have any interest in more Jesse Pinkman stories, but I very much have interest in whatever it was that got Vince Gilligan excited enough to mess with success, you know? And so bring it, yeah, bring it. It, it, it. It's a, as someone who lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico, this was not a surprise. Everyone knew about it, of course, because they were filming here uh, back when we were doing the pilot. Greenbrier? Was that Greenbri- the- Greenbrier. Yeah, it was a, it was the talk of the crew uh, last September when we were doing the pilot, and people are excited. I'm excited. Yeah, so I mean, I can't wait for that. That's actually coming up soon. That's act- October 11th. And Can I say though, there was like like the clickbait machine though, where it's just like, will Walter White appear in this movie? It's like he he dead, right? <laughs> like like I, I'm sorry to spoil everything, but like, don't you think part of the pristine management of this brand has has had to do with the fact that they have left the main storyline be the main storyline and they're not even teasing it they're not even pretending it well like let's all take a breath right it's it's interesting that you bring that up because i want to talk a little bit about the star wars stuff there was a some more rise of skywalker footage released i think over the last two days out of d23 a lot of which was a was a sort of montage of past star wars moments signaling the end of this sort of the culmination the story, of the right? Skywalker story, but there was some new Rise of Skywalker footage in there. Obviously, we knew we knew already that Carrie Fisher was going to make an appearance in Rise of Skywalker. But this idea that um, when you're servicing these franchises and so much of what you're doing is fan service as much as it is original storytelling, I was kind of interested in in the idea that um, yeah, no, I don't think I don't think Brian Cranston is going to be like his his Jedi ghost guide in in this movie but he will probably make a flashback appearance like there it's hard to believe that he didn't right. shave his head for this thing you know right i guess i see your point i mean the temptation is too strong and I, and it does appear that the friendships are too real as we've learned from the mescal brand that they've introduced together <laughs> yeah. for him not to be there yeah yeah if that is if that is sincerely if they're just like trying to get that casamigos money i i, I yeah. would be surprised if that is the extent of their collaboration let's just put it that way <laughs> Um, okay, so Amigos money is real. It's fucking you. You really stack cheddar if you do that. Like I saw yeah. that Miles Teller. The big thing is like you know because you can just do a tequila, right? And you could just be like, you right. know, I was riding my motorcycle through Oaxaca and uh, just came across this, or you can do the Steven Soderbergh version where it's like I found a liqueur in a, in Bolivia or whatever. And like Miles yeah. Teller is importing or like coming up, he's got like a a Finnish drink, I think. I, I mean, people love drinking. That does seem to be a constant, and I think people, 
like celebrities especially like not that celebrities need extra access to things but having like a drink suite you know or like a drink situation can open up any other door that wasn't already open to you so i i guess it's a good move but i gotta say finding a like a anise flavored finished like you know <laughs> metal liqueur is very on brand i know the star of uh too young to die too old to die young. <laughs> Too young to Whatever. Die. Um, all right. Let's get to the Star Wars stuff. So Rise of Skywalker, obviously, it's a JJ thing, but he's going to faint left and go right. Just like he's like, no, I swear to God, Khan's not in this movie. Uh, Ray is not bad. So chill out. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah. I want to talk about Mandalorian, though, because that is probably the thing that you and I have been most jacked about since Rogue One, I would imagine. Are, wait, are we done? Are we done with Rise of Skywalker? I'm fine with being done with it. I just want to know if the official The Watch take on the, the culmination of the Skywalker saga is chill out. I, I think that my official Watch take on the Rise of Skywalker is I forgot a bunch that happens in Force Awakens. and, uh, I, and this For happened. real? I think that's part of their plan. Like, if fully Emperor Palpatine takes up 85% of the new poster, I thought we were done with that dude. Like, I can't believe we're really going to do this again. But, I, you know, as we've discussed before, it does seem like the goal of this movie of J.J.'s return is to just, like, slowly just make it the same thing again. Yeah, well, what so, that's what I kind so, of, as outside of just, like, every time one of these movies comes out, no matter what cynicism I have in my body, it just evaporates when I'm just like, yes, I need to see this. But I'm very curious to see how much of uh, what Ryan Johnson did J.J. Abrams is going to undo. I, I agree, like, and I think that, you know, we're used to TV storytelling at this point where friendship groups or, you know, gangs of characters that we've fallen in love with, we've done so over the course of many hours and sometimes many seasons. And in this very brief trailer, there's a shot of uh, Oscar Isaac and uh, whose name, character name, I don't even remember. Poe. And uh, um, he has Poe and Finn and all these other monosyllabic names, but also... Uh, Chewbacca's there and C-3PO and it's just like, hey, the gang's together. And then it took me a second to think, has this particular gang ever been together? Because they were all split up in the second movie, much like they were in Empire Strikes Back. So I wonder, is it a failure of the people making this new trilogy that I don't feel particularly invested in this group being together? Or is it because TV has spoiled me in terms of the amount of time that people spend together for me to fully embrace the idea of them as a collective. I can't help but feel like that this was the original idea was to make a, a series of movies about these new characters. And then yep. once they understood the significance of what they were dealing with in terms of the both emotional fan investment in the older stories, but also like just like the billions of dollars that they were playing around with. For as much as I know, yeah. there's a huge generation of fans who are like, I'm super into Ray. I'm super into Kylo. Like, they just needed yeah. to make three more movies about Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill. Can I quickly detour? Because this idea, it's, it's something we've always, we, we talk about constantly, but there's another, just a different way into it. This idea of, you know, servicing old fans, but also trying to introduce something new while generally ending up in this very pleasing Disney-esque middle space of it's just fine. Mm -hmm. um, I, had a, I had a free night this weekend, and I'd already gone to Whole Foods, so I went to the movies. Your boy took himself to a reclining seat theater and saw Spider-Man Far From Home mm -hmm. seven weeks after its release. Your boy. And I guess it's relevant, again, because people are freaking out. Jeff Goldblum's freaking out that Marvel and Sony have had this falling out, and suddenly Spider-Man is no longer in the Avengers. 
can I be that lone hot take wielding voice to say good? And wow. the reason you're I you're the say fucking that Doug Gottlieb not, of Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Holland. Tom Holland, you can't quit. You millennial. Um here's why. It's both based on just general comic book fandom where Back in my day, Spider-Man wasn't in the Avengers. He just had his own rogues gallery and stuff. But also, my appreciation of the character is based on the idea that he is, as they constantly say in the new movies, as a joke, the friendly neighborhood fellow, right? That he is low stakes, that he's trying to be in high school and be a superhero with his cloth suit. The version that they've created for these movies, where he is a hybrid Tony Stark armor-wearing space warrior, frankly sucks. And the, the things that work in these movies, these Spider-Man movies, especially this last one, is the high school stuff. Yeah. Zendaya is great. Jacob Batalon is great. Martin Starr is great. Like, the low-stakes stuff makes it charming and lovable and fun. And the amount of water carrying this movie had to do to connect to the larger MCU was frankly exhausting. And so I'm very You're into... You're pro. I, I'm just into, like, let's just make a Spider-Man movie, guys. What's wrong with that? You're going to be making a hundred of them a year anyway. Like, I, it, it, I felt frustrated. And I'm sorry, this is a minor, minor spoiler for a movie that's been out for two months. But the moment that we got at the end of this movie where Spider-Man is swinging through Manhattan, I, would, I won't spoil it, carrying someone who previously didn't know that he was Spider-Man is the Superman the movie moment, right? With Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve. It right. was wonderful. And the fact that that was kind of like an add-on felt silly. Let the move. Let this movie be about queens. Let this movie be about a kid. You mean queens like the borough, not queens like Elizabeth, right? No, like queens like Zendaya uh, and Marissa Tomei. Um, let's, True queens. Let's do quick Mandalorian stuff. Um, yeah. Again, like fool me once, fool me whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this to be within the realm of soft PG thirteen. Whatever Disney Plus is going to allow, they got to understand. Like all the different kids who are going to be on the service. I don't think it's going to be that type of like real pipe hitting Star Wars that you and I have dreamed of since, since we were 15. But yep. damn, if this doesn't look like the Mandalorian day of the Mandalado. <laughs> and I don't know if Mandalado, I may be getting that confused. It's day of the Soldado, but Mandalado, did he play second base for the Phillies in the late eighties? It was a rough period. I think, he, yeah, he was a teammate of Von Hayes. M- Mickey Mandelato. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. This looks fucking awesome. This looks sick. I, I mean, I, I, I want to be like, what you know, I saw Rogue One and that was confusing. This looks real, real good. Giancarlo Esposito as like a rogue empire general and Werner Herzog and Carl Weathers and Gina Carano and Pedro Pascal. I'm in. This looks dope. The cast is amazing. And here's the thing. We've been burned a lot, but it doesn't really cost us anything at this point to say, what if they did do it? What if someone at Disney finally let someone play with the big boy toys in a big boy way? And I wonder if the secret sauce to this is John Favreau, not our former coworker and friend, John Favreau from Pod Save America, but John Favreau from Spider-Man Far From Home. He is not usually named as like when we're listing like great filmmakers of the 21st century. He's not usually named when we're talking about like great, you know, ideasmen or creative 
horses. This might not be Ideas fair. Because what, he ha- <laughs> what he has done is set a successful template for two of Disney's most important revenue streams, right? He did the first Iron Man, which is responsible basically for everything that came after it. He is responsible for two of their live-action cartoon movies, which is really all they do now, right? And made them successful. He did The Jungle Book, and then he did The Lion King, which was critically reviled, but made like a billion dollars. There are few people better equipped to say, leave me alone and trust what I want to do with this than this guy. And I just feel like his general don't fuck with me Quan is the story here. Because look, the cast sends a message, right? Yeah. I mean, the trailer does too, but the people that he put in this world, it, it feels like jaded culture writer cosplay, honestly, of who you'd want to see in a Wild West Star Wars world. And it's exciting. Yeah, it, it's, it's basically the promise of like, if the franchise sells itself, why not make it good? If you don't have to worry about like whether or not people are interested because it's going to be the flagship show on a new streaming service from the biggest entertainment company in the world featuring the name brand banner of the most relevant sort of pop cultural franchise of the last 40 years, like go ahead and make it interesting. Nobody's stopping you. Yeah, and and I also have to give them credit too for flexing in the right ways because the other news that came out this weekend is that episodes of the Mandalorian and their other series will be dropping weekly. Good. Which I love. Yes. Uh, obviously as a reform critic, as someone making a weekly show for basic cable, but I just think they can afford to do that. They are launching with a, with a library that is completely, completely unparalleled. One of the reasons why Netflix and Amazon, you know, just season dump is because they just need to fill their coffers as quickly as possible because they're starting from zero. When Disney Plus launches, and by the way, I'm not giving up that bit. I saw that you did. Nope. No, nope. I refuse. No, I, I'm going. I'm coming uh, back to it. I, I deviated, but it's back. How many years was it before Bill said Oklahoma City Thunder? It was like three or four years. So I feel like that's our benchmark. Um, they immediately launch with every cartoon movie that my children want to watch all the time. Right? They immediately launch with the Star Wars movies and all the Marvel movies that people want to watch. So they don't have to stress about that. They can let the stories unfold and let people come to them. And that's another unheralded, that's another underreported, not necessarily unheralded thing. So that's, that's cool. I'm excited about that. Do you want to just say, because we're about to, we're going to run the audio from Number One Boys, the, the after show with me and Concepcion about succession from last night's episode. I saw a clip of you boys. <laughs> and I just have to say, I, I have not had the time to watch the whole episode yet of you guys. I will. If the whole episode is just the two of you repeating things Connor said and chuckling, I just injected <laughs> into my veins. Um, do you want to just say how much you like this thing right now? I just think this show is on God mode level right now. Yeah. I, it is very relevant to my interest at the moment, but also just my, my interest always in that it is a true ensemble show where the minor characters, like David Raish's character, like, uh, like Jerry, are imbued with as much story and point of view and personality and humor as everyone else. And it's symphonic at the moment. These last two weeks of episodes, the jokes were phenomenal. The rhythms were incredible. And then in, even in this episode alone, last night's episode, Tom's arc and the way that this dude can play just, just, you know, intergalactic level layers of, humiliation uh, Europe. Is, is 
phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this a lot in the first season, but there are levels to this. So to watch Matthew McFadden articulate his performance up and down, whether he's talking to Shiv, whether he's talking to Logan, whether he's talking to Cousin Greg, whether he's talking to, speaking of Queens, Jeannie Berlin, who is now just hanging just around yes. this season, which is terrific. Peach. Um, it, it, it's a masterclass in, in acting, and it walks such a, such a great, such a great line. I mean, the, the, the hunger and the neediness of the characters is so front and center this season in a way that is delicious. I take pure pleasure from watching the show now. And that feeling that, you know, that you and I, we, it's, it's a high we chase, right? It feels like it's in its second stage rocket now. Like yeah, the show it, is going to go. And it hasn't, it's the third episode. Remember where we were last season with the third episode? We were like, yeah, like yeah. I really liked it. You were like, this show's okay. Like, and now it's like, imagine where we're going to be in two weeks when Holly Hunter is out of here in like taking orders, you know, it's going to be pretty amazing. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for calling in. Maybe we'll talk to you on Thursday for a bit. Congratulations on the trailer, man. That's a huge, huge milestone. Thanks, buddy. I'm excited for, I'm really excited for people to watch it. We got a lot more fun stuff to come. Um, you can watch it. Where can you watch it? YouTube. I yeah, YouTube. It. That's a good platform. YouTube. I mean, that might be the future, guy. I don't know if you know about it, but if you ever want to see some stuff, they got videos. What a pleasure. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon, man. What a pleasure, Baranskis. Talk to you guys soon. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Discount Tire. When was the last time you thought about your tires? Tires are what makes the difference in how your car feels and drives. Since 1960, Discount Tire has been keeping customers safe by taking care of all your tire and wheel needs. With over 1,000 locations across 34 states, their main focus is your safety and the safety of everyone else on the road. Discount Tire provides tire rotations, balancing free flat repairs, free air checks, and more. And because safety is so important, they provide free tire and safety inspections. Discount Tire also has the lowest price on the best and largest selection of tires and wheels. They'll even make personalized recommendations for you based on your zip code and driving preferences. Whether you need an air check or a set of tires and wheels, Discount Tire can help you get back on the road with peace of mind and change to spare. Visit DiscountTire.com to shop, research, and purchase your tires today. You can even make an appointment to skip the lines. That's DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire. They'll get you taken care of. Welcome to number one, boys, the Ringers Succession After Show. I'm Chris Ryan. This is the CFO, Jason Concepcion. Hello. We are here to talk about hunting, the third episode of the second season of Succession. And just right off the bat, before we yes. get into buy or sell, I wanted to talk about the, uh, I think the high probability that this is a top three Succession episode. I, I would, I think it's maybe the Behind Prague. Yeah. Prague, this, and Austerlitz. Yes. Those are the top three. Um, here's the thing is that Succession is just like routinely excellent. Yeah. Uh, and you can get through an episode. I think the first two episodes of the season have been fantastic. Yeah. And you watch it and you're like, got it. And you kind of, you just kind of move through it. Then there's episodes of Succession where all of a sudden you're Thelma and Louise going off the, going off the mountain. Every, and every you line. can't believe what you're seeing. Yeah. And you're not sure what's going to happen next. And you have no idea what, like, how to feel about anything. And that is, like, great, great television, is when you are completely arrested and you have no idea. You have to, like, really sort through your reaction to something and you are being super entertained at the same time. It's, this is a show where, uh, you know, that uh, takes you into the world of the obscenely wealthy and, man, does it get obscene yeah. with the wealth 
playground shit in this episode to the point that you're like, this is absurd, but also I buy it, and also I can't believe I'm seeing yeah, this. Yeah, like when the dinner starts in hunting, yeah. and Logan starts roasting people at the table, you're like, oh, yeah. okay, like Logan's going to like tee off on everybody and right, right. make fun of them, and I get it. And then as it gets more and more absurd, and you're forced to be like, is Logan losing it? Yeah. Like, is Logan, like, having a, an episode? And also, like, who at this table knows what's coming? Right. Who at this table has been here before and is kind of like, I'm going to be cool. I'm not going to flip out. Because you can see Carl and Frank are just both like, oh, my God. Hey, man. What's up? The, like, the, it's just incredible. There's that moment where with Boar on the floor where... Uh, one of the kind of more nameless, the guy who tries, who's, what's the name of the guy who tries to pee? The guy who tries to urinate in the can, in, in the in the. Is so e- excited to have the spotlight on everyone else. That's the dynamic in that room, and no one wants to be uh, at the the focus of Logan's ire in that moment. Yeah, the, but, the Waystar Royco red shirts. Yeah, they like, do, yeah, they get do not want it on. And so when it's on someone else, they're just like, yeah. Yeah, it's an, it was it was one of the best episodes of the series so yeah. far. So let's get into buy or sell. JC, who are you buying first? I am continuing to buy Jerry. You love Jerry. This Let me. Season. She is, you know, competent and a quiet shark. And I gotta say, smelling some extremely problematic, demented romantic chemistry vibes between her and Roman. Like, I think it's maternal. A maternal thing. Sure, but like, there's you think it's Roman Mrs. is legit. Roman is legitimately like, I would jump your bones right now. Like, I think I that's he- just like the intensity with which Roman like interacts with almost everybody. I I agree, but there's it's weird the fact that he's constantly reaching out for her. Yeah, and also we need to at some point talk about like what's going on with Roman. <laughs> that- <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like there's that moment. uh with Kath, where he's like, uh, is there anybody you haven't fucked? And she's like, yeah, you. And yeah. then re- recall his girlfriend from last season. They had some weird sexual... Right. His it- trainer seemed to have sparks with his trainer. Something going on with Roman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for my buy first, I'm going to go with his brother, Kendall. Nice. Yeah, who, great. So Kendall's character arc in this episode represents, I think, what... Um, it, it's almost a new way of watching this show. Because when you're watching Kendall... You're watching someone who is aware of how he is being perceived yes. by everybody else in that room and has decided to use his weakness as power. Right. So the fact that he is essentially as low as he can possibly be but cannot be excommunicated by his yeah. father means that he is now free to be the version of himself that he is. Yeah. He is not hung up on like whether or not he's going to get something that Shiv gets or that yeah. Roman gets. He is just like... I am the hatchet man. Yeah. And I am like singularly obsessed with defending him, at least for now. I thought what Roman said, where he's like, why don't you like this? And yeah, why yeah. won't you say it? And Kendall just doesn't answer him yeah. was fascinating. But Kendall sitting there as Logan has his hands on his shoulders yeah. was like pure, absolute Vader shit. It's, he is becoming more and more Vader every episode. He really is just like, the henchman at yeah. this point. And you don't know where Kendall's going to go from here. You don't know if he has like a backup plan. Every time somebody thinks that they've like kind of owned him in public where they're like, oh, you're such a hypocrite. Are you like, yeah. you, you, your dad's like, you betray dad all the time. He's just like, he's got nothing left. It, yeah. There's that moment where he's like, who, where Logan is like, okay, who, who betrayed me? Who betrayed the, uh, who, the PGM deal? And he's like, was it you, Kendall? And Kendall's like, 
like he's Kendall's like you and I have a blood oath. Yeah, you what you understand me? what you have over <laughs> yeah. me. How could you say that? You know, like okay, uh, let's see who uh, who am I buying next? I'm buying uh, Logan Roy's forthcoming unauthorized biography. Yeah. That is going to be a hit, folks. Michelle Pencil, is that her name? Michelle or, Pencil, yeah. yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, sign me up for the pre-order on Amazon, on Kindle, and hard copy. I want to know what's up. I think there's also, there's like an element of this book that feels like uh, inside the Trump Oval Office about yeah. it. Because it's like trying to get people on deep, deep background, uh, basically saying to someone... You can either talk to me or right. you can let other people tell the story yes. and you'll just be a supporting character and you won't get to correct the record. So that is like actively happening in our world right yep. now where these accounts are being written and, you know, having somebody as, as sort of guileless as Greg get caught up in it and be like, do not discuss how I am getting up from this table. I like, bet you Scaramucci did the same thing. <laughs> Mooch, Mooch is not off the record, dog. Mooch is like, come to the Mooch report. Come to the conference of ideas. Yeah, the, the unauthorized biography is definitely going to come up multiple times this yeah. season, I bet. Uh, for me, I'm buying the news. Yeah. You know, a distressed asset in this, in this 2019 it's world. It's very tough. But interestingly enough, like, it, it came up a few times. Obviously, uh, last episode, Tom talks to Peach about how, you know, this is the, the, the epicenter. This is Logan's G spot. So yeah, to speak. I finger it all night. Maybe. It's still a thing that people are deeply interested yes. in, uh, as a extension of their worldview in terms of like the people who control the media, not, uh, not like, uh, necessarily the most important thing in people's lives every day, the way right. it was like the newspaper or watching cable news every night. Like our consumption habits have changed, but it is still such a huge part of what sets the conversation, what sets a uh, fiscal, um, perception of companies so it's like a hugely big deal and then i really loved shiv's line uh her passionate defense of lamestream media to tom when when they're talking about buying pierce and she goes if we own all the news i do actually wonder <laughs> right. where i'm gonna get my fucking news you know who did what who wore a hat yeah so i think that that is like the most practical bare bones reason to have a functioning uh media in this country who yes. wore a hat i don't know um i am selling shiv's husband tom Wamsgams. Tough episode for Tom. He got bore on the floor. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's going to be a thing now. Got, got bore on the floor. Sid later was like, I'll eat your sausage, Tom. Uh, and then Shiv burst through the opening in their opening, in their open relationship, relationship, like Antonio Brown looking for his, uh, shoot air advantage helmet. And it was a tough moment for, like, he, I got the sense in that final scene between he and Shiv that he understood that she had just had a relationship, a sexual dalliance with someone else. Right, right. And, and that was just like, like, that was the first thing she wanted to talk to him about as he walked in the door. Right. Which is a tough beat when you're coming back from vacation. And getting bored on the floor. Yeah, I'm actually selling Shiv. I know that at the very yes. end, Logan starts to beckon her back, but... I feel like she's getting played somehow in this. Oh, yeah. um, I feel like she is being used as window dressing. I feel like she is being used as a smokescreen. I feel like she is being used to uh, stop the 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 takeover from Stewie. Yeah. Uh, but I don't I don't know that. I, I feel like if Logan was really going to do this, he would have done this. Yes. So I'm I'm kind of selling on that. Are you, what, what are you feeling on on your next? Segment? I'm uh, selling Roman. Got put back in that uh, childhood doggy cage once again <laughs> uh, by Kendall is an absolute wreck, was outed as the mole who 
possibly blew up the Pierce deal by going back channel and talking to a member of the Pierce family, ostensibly to like grease the skids for the deal, but really what he did was alert them yeah. that this takeover is happening. Yeah. Um, and then he got uh, wrestled, his phone got wrestled away from him by his brother, and his secrets put on display for everyone at the executive level at 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 the company. And in Very a tough. show where the uh, dressing downs are so ornate and the profanity is so next level, sometimes all you have to do is look at somebody and be like, you're a fucking moron. You're a moron. And do it in front of an entire company. And it really obviously... Like talk about having your scrotum emptied, and has never had, and has never had sex with uh, with Tabitha, yeah, his girlfriend. <laughs> so sell on that. Uh, I'm gonna sell uh, sell Shakespeare studies, just because uh, I thought Roman's grasp of Hamlet probably want to go back and take like a 101 class. I don't, I'm not really sure. Uh, I land the deal. I kill Kendall. I am crowned the king, just like Hamlet. If that if that happens in Hamlet, I don't care. So Kendall, maybe maybe like a. A, a, just a dalliance at Oberlin, you know? Sure. Get, get a Norton anthology of Hamlet. That's it for buy and sell. Now let's move on to number one boy. It's basically oh, who won the episode this week. Who do you got? It's gotta be, it's gotta be Logan, right? It just at the peak, we've never seen him this strong and vital. We've seen him thunder before, but he is putting on display for everyone how much power he has mm-hmm. over everyone. No one could even dare challenge his assertion that they need to buy PGM in public. No one wants to be the one who does it. Everyone's trying to backchallenge. Tom, you do it. Yeah. Like you're, you know, you're in the perfect position to do it. No one wants to challenge him. And then when anybody does, he makes them wrestle for sausages on the floor yes. of a Eastern European hunting lodge. He invites a guy to fly to Hungary. Yes. Just to dress him down in front of people and say that his trophy girlfriend is cheating on him with a waiter, waiter in Palermo. Blowing, blowing a waiter in Palermo. <laughs> so he's also, Logan also is the number one boy this week because he's using his weakness as strength. Right. So he can act the way he acts at the dinner and then just be like, meds and jet lag. What Sorry. Do you do? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still recovering. Yeah. You know, and it's like he's able to use the things about him that people are like, oh, well, you think Logan's maybe lost this set? You right. think maybe this is like the Twilight? And he's like, oh, if you think it's the Twilight, then there's really no, there's really no accounting for what I might do or say right. at any given time. So that's, uh, that's our number one boy. It's Logan Roy. Let's go biggest burn of the week. Oh, Obviously, yeah. they were flying hot and heavy this week on <laughs> hunting the third episode of Succession. Jason, what do you have for your biggest burn of the week? So Logan, uh, talking with his banker about the Pierce deal, finds out that the Pierce deal has been, uh, Pierce family has been tipped off to the deal. And he says, this was supposed to be choreographed. That's about as choreographed as a dog getting fucked on roller skates. <laughs> that was such a throwaway. <laughs> and it's such a bar. It's so good. Uh, I also enjoyed when Logan uh, said to Frank, you went for three jobs and didn't get any of them. Your vineyard was a write-off, and now your trophy girlfriend is sucking some waiter's dick in Palermo, so now you come crawling back like a fucking worm. There's like eight levels of insult in that. It's, it's un- one sentence. <laughs> it's, it's and there's like so many different like barbs in it. So that's our biggest burn of the week. But our line of the week, which, you know, it doesn't have to be an insult. It can, it can just be dialogue. My line of the week was definitely, um, Greg and Tom walking through the, uh, this is the hunting ground, the meadow, and Tom saying, Ooh. this is nice. Europe. Yeah. Nice bit of war torn, spooky, anti-Semitic, vampire-y, authoritarian Europe. That happens sometimes where you're in Europe, you're like, 
Wait a second. Yeah, hold on. pretty creepy here, I man. Know. Like, <laughs> is that the a statue to the to the the partisan fascists? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> um, my line, Connor. I'm gonna pick his response to Shiv when she's talking to him about his uh, his nascent presidential campaign, uh, and, and she he had asserted that he's not gonna pay taxes anymore, and she's like, you know what they do to rich people in jail? And he says, yes. They let them out early to mitigate the risk of litigation. <laughs> Unfortunately, true. He also has another great, if somewhat timely line about like, you know, when he's just like, dad wants to stop me, get behind Bezos and the Clintons. <laughs> okay, Connor, that's our line of the week. Every week, Jason and I try right. to go a little bit deeper. That's right. Uh, it's not just a summation of jokes and burns. That's it's right. also trying to teach you something. And we're talking a little bit of finance. This is Finance 101. That's right. Um, you may have heard a couple of times in this episode, leverage up. Right. What does that mean? Well, there's uh, the ancient Greeks, uh, Archimedes, uh, came up with the... Uh, discovered how you could use a fulcrum yeah. uh, to increase power over distance. And uh, so like a, you know, like a, like a seesaw, everyone is familiar with the seesaw and how that works. If one person sits on one side and there's nothing uh, on the other side, then it, it goes up. And that is, uh, that's like a lever. No, absolutely. And then when you think about it in terms of Adam Smith. Yeah. That hand. And, and then when you think of it, it's like Adam Smith's on one end of the seesaw and then an elephant's on the other side of the seesaw, right? And it, it, in your mind, you think, well, the elephant's still heavier. But, but if you put Adam Smith and then put him, and then you maybe like an Adam Smith book on the other side. And the lever is very, very long. Yeah. Imagine how long it is. Right. That's Finance 101. Let them eat cake. This is our crazy rich moment of the week. There are some really good ones, including flying private to Hungary for a sure. for a, a weekend of hunting. Why not? Like you couldn't go to Vermont? No, because what if someone gets shot? That's the thing. The so laws they learned there, from Cheney. They learned directly from Cheney. The rules there. Jerry even says so. You know, it's like kind of iffy with the rules. Like, what if uh, somebody goes, uh, you know, lets off a stray round, and say Greg the egg gets taken in in the kidney? No one wants to take the fall there for that. There was a moment when they were about to release the boars uh, <laughs> into that, like, firing line where I was like, there seems like there could be a really, a lot of crossfire. Yeah, I didn't get that. Like, the lines of fire, they're in these, on these, like, four hunting stands that are all kind of, like, everybody's, like, aiming kind of in the direction of other people. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought that was, like, very quickly we could have Greg in charge of the company. Um, but, yeah, for Let Me Cake, the Crazy Rich Moment of the Week, so yeah, the company retreat at a Hungarian hunting lodge. Any yes. other crazy rich moments? I, I I really enjoyed Connor's mini rant about hyper decanting his oh, wine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't hyper decant. You can age your wine as much as ten years in only thirty seconds when you hyper decant. Are you kidding? <laughs> Let's go on to our predictions for next week. Um, I think that the two major storylines that are emerging out of these first few episodes yeah. are. The Pierce takeover, yes, as a way to fend off um, uh, Stewie and Sandy, and this this uh, this biography because mm -hmm. the biography is a great framing mechanism to have people essentially, I mean, talking about their their experiences with Logan and with Waystar Royco. What do you think could happen next week? Well, I think we're we're gonna get. Listen, this is cheating. We know Holly Hunter is in this season. Yeah. So I and, would, and Cherry Jones, yeah. So I, we would assume that that means we're going to see members of the Pierce family or representatives of the Pierce family at some time in the season. So I think that's going to happen. But I'm going to go back to, like, 
you know, love is in the air or something, uh, something like it, the perverted version of what that is. Are Jerry, back to this. Are, <laughs> Jerry and Roman, something. There's, something's gonna happen. This is the kind of thing where, like, Something's you're gonna probably happen, right? wrong, and if you're right, you're gonna be insufferable. Cause you're like, I called it, and everybody thought I was a sicko, and I called it. Something's gonna happen. The way, when she, when he says, like, that I'm gonna jump your bones, and she says, I hear that all the time, but usually only for 90 year old men, and then she's about <laughs> to button, like, the bottom button on his she's shirt. She's like, you but, have to do this. But doesn't, and then kinda looks him up and down. Something is brewing between those two. I'm really curious to meet the Pierce family. I, I'm yeah. curious about whether Excited it's like, about it. are they supposed to be like the Salzburgers? I think or like so, right? New houses or like, what do they, are, are they like also a media corporation that owns TV stations or is it simply just like a couple of like things? Like, I, yeah. I think that the idea that he's doing this is revenge against Ewan is right. really interesting. <laughs> I so. Love- I love those little tidbits of like, what, well, why does Logan want Pierce? He wants it for two reasons. One, because his brother watches the channel. And they made fun of him once. And they made fun of him once because of his like Greek, uh, history exhibit. For, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, the Pierces are coming. It'll yeah. be really interesting to see what Excited happens. Excited about it. Thank you for watching number one boys, our succession after show for Jason. I'm Chris. Catch us next time right after succession airs on Sunday.